You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 230 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? The rapid spread of virus misinformation has created twin crises for doctors. A pandemic and an infodemic. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. A House panel called the Trump administration's response to the pandemic inefficient, ineffective, and inequitable. The 69-page report released by the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis called the virus an American fiasco. The subcommittee said the administration's response is, quote, among the worst failures of leadership in American history. The report said that relief programs for workers and small businesses were weakened because the administration gave priority to bigger companies and inadequate financial controls led to significant fraud, waste, and abuse. The UK's drug regulator is speeding up reviews of COVID-19 vaccines that Pfizer and AstraZeneca are developing. Britain hopes to approve the first successful shot as quickly as possible. The UK Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency started a review of the Pfizer vaccine in recent weeks, according to a person with knowledge of the situation. A spokesman for AstraZeneca confirmed that the agency is also conducting an expedited review of Astra's vaccine, which the company is co-developing with the University of Oxford. Finally, a federal judge ruled against landlord groups who were seeking to block the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's national moratorium on evictions due to the coronavirus pandemic. In Atlanta, U.S. District Judge J.P. Booley said the public interest in controlling the spread of COVID-19 outweighed the landlord's economic interest, saying their quote, economic harm pales in comparison to the significant loss of lives that could occur if the order was blocked. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. 
Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. And now for today's main story. The coronavirus is both a medical problem and a public health problem. That's baked into its biology. But the pandemic in the U.S. has been exacerbated by another challenge of our own making, a pervasive atmosphere of distrust. That atmosphere has let misinformation about the virus flourish. That misinformation is often amplified by the man with the country's loudest megaphone, President Donald Trump. I spoke to healthcare reporter John Tazi about how the information crisis has made practicing medicine in a pandemic even more difficult. I was wondering if you might just briefly sketch some of the misinformation or even conspiracy theories that we've been seeing surrounding COVID-19. Yeah, I think there's a range of things, everything from, you know, people who believe that the virus is a hoax or that it's entirely uh, made up to allegations that doctors or hospitals are inflating the number of cases or the number of deaths attributed to COVID, um, which we haven't really seen evidence of, but it's a belief that's out there to, you know, more kind of common misunderstandings or just questions uh, that people might not know, you know, good information about, like whether, you know, does wearing a mask put you at risk of not getting enough oxygen? Doctors say that's not a risk, that there's no reason to not wear a mask. It won't hurt your ability to breathe. But, you know, some people have that kind of misconception as well. So it's really a gamut from um, very elaborate conspiracies to more common misconceptions. One doctor I spoke to said that um, some of her patients were so afraid of the coronavirus that they were deferring needed medical care, which put their health at risk, right? So that's, uh, you know, that's maybe not the same type of misinformation as we think of a conspiracy saying the virus is a hoax. But, you know, if people aren't able to kind of accurately gauge their own risk and are, um, you know, deferring important care that they need because they're afraid of catching COVID, you know, that can be a sort of other aspect of misinformation. And is there one particular source or how is this information or shall we say misinformation spreading? It's a good question. And I think, you know, it's sort of a you know, it's a factor of the broader kind of information environment that we all live in right now, right, where there's a flood of information from many sources. And the World Health Organization actually identified this very early on, um, before COVID-19 was even declared a pandemic. The WHO identified what it called an infodemic. Um, so the sort of flood of information 
both accurate and not that makes it hard for people to find trustworthy sources and reliable information when they need it. They said that February 2nd. And since then, you know, I think we've just seen this proliferate on social media, you know, from other sources. And, you know, it's sort of the elephant in the room, but the president of the United States um, has routinely and repeatedly made false statements about COVID-19. And, you know, one analysis uh, from Cornell University actually identified President Trump as uh, the largest source of misinformation about the virus. So, you know, and those messages get amplified in all sorts of ways in, in the media, on television and social media. There's not, I think, a single source, but we're in an environment with high levels of distrust for all sorts of institutions and, you know, and the media, um, extreme political polarization days before an election. Um, And, you know, the science and public health advice in that has been kind of wrapped up in that. I mean, is that part and parcel of just how quickly in some ways all this has come about in that because there was just no information about COVID-19 and we've been, even from a scientific perspective, trying to just find out more and more, there has been understandably some false starts in terms of developing um, therapeutics, developing medicines, theories about what might be successful in treating COVID-19. Do you think that has lent to this perspective, perhaps by some, that they just don't know what information to trust. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, one interesting thing that someone I interviewed, the the head of the American Medical Association actually mentioned to me was that as we learn more about coronavirus, the coronavirus and how it affects people and how it spreads and how to treat it, you know, as the kind of world of scientific evidence proliferates, there's misinformation proliferating for, you know, each of those points, right? So as we learn more about potential vaccines that are in development, there's more misinformation about vaccines. As we learn more about ways to keep it from spreading, misinformation proliferates around those guidelines. So, you know, it is a really tough thing, I think, for people in general, um, this is a new virus. We are learning, or at least in the early days, we're learning in real time. Some recommendations change based on things we learned. And that's how science works. Um, but I think it can make it really hard for people, you know, even in good faith, trying to figure out how to behave in an environment with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of competing sources of information. The early recommendations in the United States were that people shouldn't wear masks. Uh, That was because there was a shortage of masks and the policymakers were concerned that, you know, people buying up surgical masks would make it harder for uh, healthcare workers who needed them. Um, but as we learned more about how the virus could spread among people who had no symptoms, um, that, that, was, that was an important way that the virus spread. The recommendations for face coverings came out. We're learning new things and have to adapt to that. And but that change can create, I think, an environment where people can misunderstand things or people who are deliberately trying to manipulate information or behavior um, have an opportunity to do that. 
you know, as we anticipate the the availability and the distribution of a COVID-19 vaccine, how do you see that amount of distrust potentially affecting the the success of this vaccine in terms of impacting the risk to COVID-19? It, I think it is a it is a big risk that we will have a vaccine that works that has been uh, you know proven in rigorous clinical trials and that a large chunk of the population will not want to take it because they don't trust it or they don't trust the authorities who have said that it is authorized or, or safe to take. I think you know we're going to be having that conversation. Um, you know, maybe in a few months, I think the president suggested that a vaccine would be ready sooner than his scientific advisors said. There was a lot of suspicion and allegations that there were, you know, efforts to accelerate a vaccine for political purposes and to have something authorized before the election. It seems like that's not going to happen now. But and then on the, you know, the response of some Democratic governors has been to say that they want to independently have their states vet a vaccine that's approved, you know, even after uh, a Food and Drug Administration authorization. So, you know, I, I think it's unprecedented and it's pretty dangerous uh, territory in some ways. Um, and, you know, the data uh, from polling, Gallup polls show that the number of the percentage of people who said they'd be willing to take an FDA approved vaccine has declined substantially since the summer. Um, maybe that will be reversed, but it's a it's a concern that doctors expressed to me that, you know, all this work and all this really tremendous scientific enterprise to get to a shot in record time, um, you know, will be diminished if people don't take it. And and that's, you know, that's not a question of science. That's a question of human behavior and trust and kind of where we are as a society. And, you know, we'll find out more about that in the months ahead. That was John Tazi. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by John Tazi. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.